different lures to see if you'll bite on something else, but he knows he's always got the go-to. Right? Each one of us has a go-to. And he wants to push that button. And we talked about how if he can't get you to bite, he's, to go, he's going to try to get you to focus on temptation so much that you miss out on your relationship with Jesus. So therefore, the best way to overcome temptation is to stay in love with Jesus. Right? To have a healthy, life-giving relationship with Jesus. Come on, you're living in, right? I mean, you're really living when you're in love with Jesus. And you've got a healthy relationship with him. And then last week, we talked about your favorite two words, listening and doing. Right? (laughs) No amens on that one. I gave you the example of the Sea of Galilee. We talked about how the Sea of Galilee is a very vibrant and healthy sea because it has the Jordan River feeding into it. But then the Jordan River also feeds out of it. So therefore, it never gets stagnant. It never gets stale because there's constant water flowing through the Sea of Galilee. And as believers, we've got to learn how to listen. Come on. Listen to God when he speaks. Read the word as listening. I heard something the other day said, you want to hear God's voice? Read the Bible out loud. Booyah. Get you some of that. But we talked about listening and doing and how we got to listen to what God's calling us to do and telling us to do and, and, and challenge, challenging us to do. And then we got to, like the Sea of Galilee, that when the river flows out, we got to release it. Right? Because we talked about how some believers just love to hear the word. Man, I want to hear the word. I want to study the word. I want to put this down in my spirit. Man, that's a great thing. But if you never do what it says, it's only good for you. Right? When it was meant to get to you, through you, and then to this broken world. Right? So, so James has been challenging us. And James, man, we talked about how James is, uh, some people, our life group, it was funny because one girl came into our life group. She said, I told my mama that we talked, we started in the book of James that James was Jesus' brother. And she told me Jesus didn't have no brothers. So you tell me, Jesus had a brother or not? <laughs> that was in our life group, week one. I was like, yes, Jesus has a brother, half brother, but he's a brother. And that's James. That's who we're talking about. And James is a pastor and he's, he's pastoring a Jewish, a Jewish people and the believers. And and he's just, he's hitting them. And I, I hate to use the word hitting them, but he's coming straight forward with some things that they need. Come on. Listen, when you're stuck in a ditch, you don't need somebody else to come alongside of you and try to figure out how to get out the ditch. Right? You need somebody else with a chain and a vision. And a Ford. The Chevrolet's in the ditch. You need a Ford. That's ordained by God. If a Chevrolet shows up, it's the devil. Huh. I got the microphone. Shoot. Get me some. I'm ready this time. And throw that bow tie up on the screen. We're going to see what happens. I'm picking. But I mean, we're just, it's true though, right? You need somebody that's just going to tell you how it is. Amen? And so James comes out of straight. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. And today we're talking about a very, a very touchy subject. Um, it used to be a black and white subject predominantly, but now it's, a, it's an all kinds of subject. It, we're, today we're talking about prejudice. You remember back in my day in, in, in school, prejudice used to mean a black and white issue. It was predominantly a race issue. Today, it's an all kind of issue, right? You got prejudice against homosexuality. You got prejudice against rich and poor, right? You got prejudice against the government. 
We got all kind of prejudices today, right? Discriminations, people getting kicked to the curb constantly. And so we're going to talk about that because James addresses that issue with his church. And he says, look, there's this prejudice thing. There's, a, there, there's something in this church that's a prejudice strand. There's a weed of prejudice that we need to pluck out. And he comes straight forward with us. So go with me to James chapter 2 in your Bible that you brought and you're going to flip open. Or watch on the screen. James 2 verse 1. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Thank you that it's going to pierce all of our hearts today, Lord. You've got a word for us. You've got encouragement for us, Lord. If there's a bad seed in us, Lord, if there's a bad weed, Lord, pluck it out today. If we, if we walk in any kind of prejudice today, Lord, show us. And I pray that we repent from it in Jesus' name. Amen. James chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention to a good and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those, aren't they the ones that he promised to those that he loves? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. Hate me. That's God's word. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Now, let me ask you a question. Don't we all love mercy? Right? I mean, when we need mercy, we want what? Mercy. We'll get to mercy at the end of, this, at the, end of the message today. But James, is, he's, he's hitting the church straight forward. He's saying there's something here that we need to address. There's something that you need to get as a church, as a believer. You got to get this, that God does not tolerate prejudice. Of any kind. You got to hear me. It's in the black and white issue. It in the race issue. It's prejudice of any kind. James compares it to a rich man and a poor man. That's just a comparison. And today we're going to use that same comparison. And I want to show you the difference in the rich and the poor. But to give you an example, I'm a father. And I've got three kids. If I say to my kids, whoever brings home the best GPA... Get special treatment from daddy. That's good for the one that has a, the best GPA, right? But what about the other two? 
How does that make them feel? You see, as a, as a parent, or as parents, Cheryl and I got to be careful to never play favorites. Come on. I love all my kids the same. I just love them in different ways. Right? Because they receive love in different ways. But I'm called to treat everyone the same. I'm called to give the same love that God gave to me undiscriminated to anybody without discrimination. Right? Because we're God's family. We're God's people. And if you look around this room, look around this room. Nobody else in this room looks like you. Look around. I wish we had a few more bald-headed people, but I think with time we'll get that. That's all right. Me and Chris will hold it down for a little while. Come on, Kevin. You got it going on. There's three anointed men in this church. But God's church is diverse, right? It's made up of all kinds of people. You got rich people sitting next to poor people. You got black people sitting next to white people. And we ain't got enough of that. And you got, you got married people sitting next to unmarried people. You got educated people sitting next to uneducated people. Right? That's, that's God's church. That's who we're going to spend eternity with. Come on, somebody. We can't pick and choose. It's not our choice. Amen? So let's look at, at, black, I mean, at, at, at rich versus poor. And let's go to verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to talk about poor right now. We're going to talk about just the differences in, in, in poor and rich. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 26 to 29 says this. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful and wealthy when God called you. In other words, remember how you were when you met Jesus. <laughs> Chances are you wasn't wealthy. You wasn't powerful. Verse 27. Instead, God chose things that. Things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all. And used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. You see what's going on? Listen to me. God is always proving his greatness. If you'll just pay attention, he's constantly proving his greatness. And, and, and you are his main proof. As the pastor of this church, a lot of times I sit back and I think about some of you. And I get, I get a mental picture of you. And I remember when you walked into this place. I remember the first time we met you. And then I think about where you are today. And honestly, it just touches my heart because I go, they're not the same. You've heard me say this for years that I want to take a picture of every new person that ever walks in. Just a picture and save it. So maybe a year or six months or two years down the road, I can say, hey, remember this? And then they can look at that picture and see the emptiness that was inside of them. See the death that they were living in. See the black cloud that they were walking with. And then look at themselves today and go, God has done something incredible. You see, that's how God proves his greatness to the world is through you. Because most of us in this room were kicked to the curb and despised. I know your stories. I know enough of you to know. I can say that. I can make that statement. I was kicked to the curb. I was rejected by my family. I'm uneducated. You sit next to me. You sit next to an uneducated man. I don't even speak right. 
from Franklin, Louisiana. Dear goodness. But he's saying you weren't nothing until you met God. But when you met God, he turned you into something. And the funny thing about God is that he's always taking what the world says is great and breaking it down and saying, no, that ain't great. Everything the world loves, God seems to resist, right? Everything they call trash, he calls treasure. And that was some of your names this morning. Some of your names before you met Jesus was trash. Been spoken over you your whole life. You're worthless. You're useless. God said, oh, yeah. I'm going to show you a little something. Talk about one of my kids like that. And he turns your life around. And he sets you on a rock and he puts you in a high place. And he uses what the world called trash to prove his greatness. That's the God we serve. He's not prejudiced. He looks for opportunities to turn things around. Amen. Jesus' closest disciples, here's the cool thing about Jesus that I love, is that the reason people couldn't accept Jesus for who he was is because he didn't come with any bling. Jesus didn't come blinged out, did he? Tried to modernize that for you. Some of you starting to be like, oh, blinged out, yeah. So, but Jesus didn't come. He didn't come with some 24-inch rims. I mean, it just didn't happen, okay? He came with some sandals and a robe like everybody else's robe. Today it would probably be a pair of Wranglers and some cowboy boots. And he was driving a Chevrolet just to make sure everybody knew he wasn't rich. And <laughs> See, you got to be talented to preach two gospels at one time. <laughs> I got to stop that. I'm getting prideful. <laughs> but Jesus' closest disciples, there were three guys that were Jesus' closest disciples. Peter, James, and John. Listen to this. Peter, James, and John went more places with Jesus than the rest of the disciples did. They were closer to Jesus, right? The Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John went with Jesus. They got to experience that. In the garden, they went to the deeper part of the garden than any of the rest of the disciples. You know the funny thing about Peter, James, and John? Is they were fishermen. They were counted as nothing in the world's eyes. Nobody was interviewing them. They wasn't on TV. They, get, they didn't make the magazine. Are you with me? Nobody was like, oh, I want to be a fisherman one day. I mean, think about this. These guys were, they wore work robes. Half the time it was rolled down, their, their skin was probably crinkled. That's when it goes past wrinkled. It's crinkled. Right? I mean, they were just, they were dark, complected because the sun was burning them up. Fishermen usually don't smell good. Right? They were common, ordinary, everyday guys until they met Jesus. And what did he say to them? Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What they did not realize was that Jesus came to the planet that day. His mission to be on the planet was to build the foundation of his church. And he used some of the most common folk on the planet to build his church. Don't ever despise where you came from. Don't ever despise it. If you'll appreciate where you came from, God will continue to do something with you. Amen. Don't let, don't, you, you got to forget 
You got to let go of what people said about you. And you got to start receiving what God says about you. Because it's, a, it's totally different. Come on, you got to get this. I, I can't say it right, but you got to get it. They said you were dumb. They said you would have never amount to anything. They said you blew it so bad that you could never be anything good. They chewed you out constantly. You may have been cursed out like I was. You may have been constantly put down, never encouraged. You may have had bad experiences that you had to walk through because people didn't love you enough to protect you. Whatever the cause, whatever happened to you, it does not matter. You got you to let go of that in a sense. Don't forget where you came from, but let go of that and receive who God says that you are. Because he says that you're my child. I love you so much, I'm going to give you my son. To die on the cross so that you can be free. Free from what? Free from everything that was said about you. Free from everything that was done to you. You see, the greatest thing in the church today is that people need to learn how to be free. We got to learn how to receive who we are in Christ. We got to start living like he sees us. And I'm going to tell you, when we do that, things change. Hell starts shaking. Come on. If we'll just know who we are, man. Few of you were wise. God's always proving his greatness. Jesus's miracles were in most cases with poor and despised people. Jesus's dinner invitations were at some of the most ruthless people's houses. In fact, the religious folk got mad because he's eating with the tax collectors. In other words, he went to the IRS's house and ate supper. (laughs) And they had an issue with it. Now, transferring over to rich people, that was the poor people. That was kind of like talking about poor. But now we're going to talk about rich. In Luke 12, 21, it says, it says, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with Jesus. That's pretty strong words. Uh, you like being called a fool? I'm, I've hit people for that man. before Jesus, but of course. But you know what's funny is that in, in Jesus' time, there was, there was extremely rich people and then there was extremely poor people. There was a middle class, but it was very, very small. It's kind of the, the flip side of what we've got today in America. Today in America, America's run by the middle class. We've got a massive middle class. We've got a few people that are rich and a few people that are really, really, really poor. You with me? But in Jesus' day, they were extremely rich and extremely poor. So that's why James was making this comparison between rich and poor. And Jesus said the words that you're a fool if you store up earthly wealth, but... Do not have a relationship or a rich relationship with God. He did not say that you're a fool for storing up riches. Don't misread this. And there's nothing wrong with being rich. I just want to warn you that to be rich is hard. 
To be rich in earthly wealth and rich in relationship with God is a very hard thing to balance. And I think only a few people actually get that right. I tried and I failed. You with me? Nothing wrong with having riches as long as you've got a rich relationship with God. Right? You stay in love with God, not in love with your money, not in love with your possessions. God's good God. He gives us things. He lets us enjoy things. He, he wants to bless us. There's nothing wrong with that. But you've got to maintain the rich relationship with God. Amen. So you see the difference in the poor and the rich? You're starting to see what's going on. Here's a funny thing is that most rich people have to come down to humility. Right. And most poor people, you're trying to get them up to just stand up and know who they are. Isn't that funny? Rich people have to be humbled. Poor people have to be built up. You see the difference. That's why he says it's hard to be rich and stay in a a rich relationship with God. You getting something so far? So let me give you three points on how to fight prejudice in your life. Number one, you got to look beneath the surface before you judge. I want you to watch this video. I know she's not homeless, because I just hung out with her a couple weeks ago, but I mean, it's, I did not know that that person walking 
when I was walking by, it was her. Yeah, that was good, huh? <clears throat> so point number one, look beneath the surface before you judge. John seven twenty four says to look beneath the surface so that you can judge correctly. You see, we got to take time to not judge people before we give them a chance. Amen. You got to give somebody a chance before you judge them. You got to look beneath the surface. Let me ask you a question. You ever see somebody coming down the street with any kind of a skin disease or a deformity or something? If you've ever done that, remember how you first felt when that happened. Because that is a form of prejudice. Right? My initial shock would, would have been to... But what I got to do is I got to not do that. Right? I, I got I to gotta change the way I see things. Right? I got to approach differently. Something has to change. I got to look beneath the surface before I judge. And I'm going to show you how Jesus gave us this example in Matthew chapter 8. And I'm going to compare between two guys They're right here in the same chapter. Only verses away. Watch this. Matthew chapter 8. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached and touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required, by, by, required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Jesus did the one thing that everybody was told not to do to a leper is he touched him. He didn't just, he didn't just go to him and say, be healed. The Bible says that he put his hands on him and he says, I will be healed. You see that? You see Jesus's action. You see how he worked in that. Let me give you a little, a little tidbit. Nobody in 1,500 years, not a single person ever went to the priest to observe this, this ritual of making offerings for the law of Moses for the cleansing of leprosy. That was, that was stated in the Bible all the way back in Leviticus. 
1,500 years, nobody ever went and did the ceremony of being cleansed as a leper. Until Jesus showed up. This is the first account of anybody ever performing that ceremony. That's huge. Jesus arrives on the scene, touches a leper. His leprosy leaves. But it started when Jesus decided to touch him. Come on. When Jesus decided to, you know what? The world says I could catch this. You know what? This could be contagious. You know what? I don't know if I need to do this. You know what? I'm kind of nervous. He said, forget all that. Be healed. And the leprosy left. I don't know if you know this, but lepers in those days were like people with AIDS back in the early, the late eighties and early nineties. I remember seeing videos not too long ago of when the AIDS epidemic hit America and this poor little kid, probably 12, 13, 14 years old was in school and was diagnosed with AIDS and they ran him out of the school and his mama came and got him and there was crowds of people with protesting with signs. You don't belong here. You don't belong here. Extreme prejudice. We got to look beneath the surface before we judge. Amen. The Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself. So however you love yourself, you need to love other people. Jesus touched what the world called untouchable. Number two, you got to look at their relationship before you look at their wealth. Look at their relationship before you look at their wealth. Luke 12, 21 says it again. It says, yes, and a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. You, gotta, you need to be impressed by people's relationships and not their wealth. Don't ever let somebody's things impress you. If you're impressed by things, then you're impressed by not much. It doesn't take much to impress you. You need to be impressed by who somebody is. Amen. Amen. Let's look at this next comparison in Matthew chapter eight at verse five. The very next verse, it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer or a centurion came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed in a terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come to my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I, I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go, come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you at the feast in the kingdom of heaven, but I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Jesus goes from laying hands on one of the most despised people on the planet. He turns around, travels here, and he runs into one of the most richest people on the planet. And he performs a miracle in both of their lives. 
with no discrimination. Let me tell you about a centurion just to prove this point. A centurion was in charge of a hundred men in the army, in the Roman army. He was in charge of a hundred men. Those hundred men belonged to a, a regiment called, called a legion, which was 60, which was 60,000 men. So there were six centurions in every legion. Okay, so this, this Roman officer had a hundred soldiers working for him. Besides all of his servants and everybody else. The common soldier at that time made a 200 to 300 denarii a year. The centurion made anywhere from 5,000 to 20,000 denarii a year. Remember, there was extremely rich and extremely poor. Chances are the leper was extremely poor. Chances are the centurion was extremely rich. Jesus finds himself in the middle of both of them and he performs a miracle in both their lives with no prejudice. I find it kind of funny that he laid hands on the leper, but he didn't lay it on the uh, centurion. Be impressed by somebody's relationship with Jesus and not their knowledge of him. Number three, see others with eyes of mercy. See others with eyes of mercy. James 12 to 13 says this. says, so whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Amen. Man, let me tell you something. There's a day coming. You're going to need some mercy. And if you haven't been putting mercy into your mercy account, you're not going to have any mercy. You're going to be overdrawn in mercy. You're going to want mercy, but there ain't going to be none for you. It's like going shopping and you, and you get all these good things you love and you put them up on the counter and you swipe your card and it says, uh-uh, it ain't taking your card. You ever have that embarrassing thing happen to you? And you got four people sitting behind you? And you're wondering what they're wondering? And you want to trust, I do pay my bills. I mean, I really do. You want to start justifying, right? But if you don't have any mercy in your account, the Bible says there's not going to be any mercy for you. But if you give mercy, if you're merciful to people, then there will be mercy for you. Amen? We've got to see others with the eyes of mercy. Jesus was impressed by their faith, both the leper and the centurion. And so that caused him to act on what they needed. They both were in need of something they couldn't provide for themselves. They both came to Jesus as the source of their need. They both had faith that Jesus could feel their need. They both experienced the love and mercy of God that day. They both have a story to tell and an opportunity to bring God glory. They both walked away different that day. And it didn't matter who they were. The difference maker was who they knew. Right? That was the difference maker. In both of their lives, it was who they knew. Not how much money they had, because the centurion had plenty of money. He couldn't buy a miracle for a servant. 
the leper couldn't get anybody to give him medication because nobody would even let him in the room. When he walked down the street, he had to say, leper, here comes a leper. That was the law. He had to make an announcement before he could walk into a place. Two totally extreme, extremely, totally different people. And Jesus performs a miracle in their life with no prejudice, with eyes of mercy. And this is what James is saying to us today, that as a church right here, our Savior's Church of Eunice, there are going to be some wrecked, broke down, beat up people walking into this church. I'm telling you right now, God's already given me a word for that. It's going to be, we're going to have such a ministry of healing in this church that other churches are going to send people that are broke down and beaten and wounded over here. They're going to say, you need to go over there. That's what's coming. The reason I'm telling you that is because if you don't like broke down, hurt and beaten people, you might not want to stay around. Some of them may come in and they got nice clothes, but they're tore up on the inside. Some of them may come in and their clothes are broke down and they stink. I'm not turning them around. It's not my job to turn them around. It's my job to give them the love of Jesus. It's my job to do what Jesus showed me to do. It's to love them no matter what. I love them where they are, how they are, and who they are. With no prejudice. Amen. You want to know that's how you change this region. That's how you change your world. Is that you just love people. Right where they are. And you just let them experience the love that is inside of you. It's like last week. You've received the love of God. You need to give the love of God. It changes people's lives. They don't need to be preached at anymore. Come on. They don't need to be condemned anymore. I met a guy this week. He's not in church because he was beat up with the word of God. Somebody religiously beat him like a fool. And now he don't want to come back into church because he's scared he's going to get hurt again. You know what? I just go, man, I'm sorry that happened to you. That's just wrong. And I just loved on him. I was just Pastor Jamie. You know me as me. That's just who I am. I'm not, we might talk about chickens. We might talk about pigs. And I'll slip Jesus in somewhere along the line. But this is just, we're going to talk. We're going to be real. And I'm going to love you. And I'm going to say, hey, man, I, I've been there. And I'll share my story with you. I'm not hiding my stuff and putting myself on a pedestal. Because if I'm on a pedestal, I can't touch nobody. Right? So if you're on a pedestal, you can't touch anybody. God's called us to love this broken world. I can't touch everybody. But you can. You can. Every one of you can. And that's your responsibility. James is saying to the church, he's the pastor of the church. He's saying, hey, this prejudice thing, you got to push it to the side. Because some of God's most prized possessions are just broke down right now. They've had a rough spell. He didn't mean for it to go that way. Right? So he's saying to the churches, you've got to express God's love to them. You've got to look beneath the surface before you judge.
right? You got to see through eyes of mercy. Come on. That's what he's called us to do. And be impressed by their relationship. Don't be impressed by somebody. Because let me tell you something, rich folk are broke down too. I think it was Jim Carrey that says money can never buy you a way to get away from loneliness. Money doesn't get away, doesn't get you away from loneliness. Jim Carrey said that. Isn't that crazy? There's hurting people all around us. All people are made in God's image. All people are sinful in need of a savior. Watch this. All people who belong to Jesus are equally saved, equally loved, and equally forgiven. Isn't that right? I'm no better than you. He doesn't love me any more than he loves you. Right? I just want to pray for you this morning.